minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always go over and check us out at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here as always with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, it's really great to be back. Last week, we celebrated the first episode of season two, and after an incredibly long offseason, it seems like we just woke up and football is back. Like yeah, it's we, here. It is, it is here. We're excited, and uh, we've made it through a good portion of training camp, and we have family night later on tonight, which is always a good time. And then we are going to start inching closer and closer to preseason football. And so Andrew and I have a ton of things that we want to get to on today's episode. And as a part of that, as always, we have to get our hot takes in, not just to be controversial, but because it's in these hot takes that you look deep enough to see what is actually totally possible, but is also something that most people just aren't expecting. And so Andrew and I will be sharing our thoughts on that. But we also took to Twitter this week to see what you all, our loyal listeners, uh, to see what you guys think, because uh, we wanted to know what your hottest takes are regarding the preseason and what you think we should expect, even if no one else is expecting it. And so we're going to get to those hot takes. But for starters today... Andrew and I wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about what we should be expecting out of a very certain group of this team. And that's the second year players. We all know that there's always a ton of hope that players will make that second year jump. But we know that that doesn't always happen. Uh, We often see NFL teams who are able to get the most out of their young players. They're the teams that find the most success. And this isn't simply because players, you know, better players make a better team. It's because if your youngest players are ready to contribute, it means that your team is deeper. It means that when your top player goes down, it's not as crippling because you have a young guy who's taken that second year leap, who is ready to step in and to step up. And so we wanted to take time to kind of survey this team and see who those second year players are uh, that could make that jump this year and what we should be expecting from them. And as I was looking at this, Andrew, I was I was completely blown away because if my math is right, which is that suspect. So there's a decent chance uh, that it's not. But let's pretend that I've got this close. I counted 26 players that I think are considered year two players that are currently in camp with the Packers. 26. So obviously we can't talk about all these guys individually, but even if just a handful of these guys made a significant step forward, it would be a huge deal for this team. And so guys like Fidel Brown and James Crawford, who Andy Herman really likes, uh, Raven Green, Tyler Lancaster, Robert Tanya. These are all guys that we've heard at least a little bit of positive buzz out of camp about already. And so it's easy to get really excited about this group of sophomore players. So Andrew, since we can't get to all of these guys, uh, who are some of the guys? Let's. Who's one guy that you want to make sure you get to today? Yeah, and before we even jump into that, I just wanted to point out, I mean, 
you just said 28 players that are second-year players, and then obviously we have this rookie class and the, the undrafted players, and that just goes to show you this major roster turnover that have, that has happened under Brian Gutekunst, and now with the new coaching staff having kind of a new preference in in the the player types and profiles, uh, that is amazing. You know, to think just how yeah. young this team yeah. is right now. Um, and the average age across the NFL is usually somewhere between 25 and 26. And so if you think about it, most rookies are coming in the league at about 22, uh, maybe 23. It's that second year where it starts to be really important. Your roster needs to be primarily made up of that second to fifth year type of player. And so if those guys don't make impacts, that's how you get to be a really bad team. And you you start to cut away at your depth. And so the impact that these second-year players can make is going to be crucial. So I wanted, yeah. I wanted to talk about um, defensive lineman James Looney because everybody knows I love Kendall Donerson. Everybody knows I love Equinemius St. Brown. But I wanted to choose somebody else to talk about this week. And James Looney was a guy I really liked as a late-round pick last season. I figured he was going to take some time to develop, but he has one trait that has the potential to make him an impact player in the NFL, and that is an explosive first step. And with the release of Mike Daniels, there's going to be an opportunity for somebody with that skill set. One of the things that I'm curious about, and we'll have to wait and see how Green Bay chooses to roster their D-line because you have Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary being super versatile, um, so they, they may end up carrying less defensive linemen than we would typically think about, but you would have to think if Looney proves to be an option as a situational pass rusher, he's going to have an advantage over the bevy of run stuffers that are fighting for that last roster spot. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? You're talking about, you know, when you're talking about James Looney, we talk so much on Twitter and just in amongst Packer fans about um, Montrevious Adams has got all this buzz about how he's going to take a big step this year. And Tyler Lancaster, obviously, was someone who kind of came out of nowhere last year. But really, like you're right, James Looney is a guy that no one's really talking about who definitely has that athletic skill set to take that second year jump and could totally be a guy who would surprise a lot of people and would be a lot of fun to see that happen with. So uh, I will definitely be watching James Looney. Um, I want to talk about a second pair um, are a second year pair of cornerbacks whose development could be really, really big for this team. And these are second round pick Josh Jackson and undrafted free agent Tony Brown. And right now it sounds like we should expect the starting cornerbacks to be Jair and King. And then it sounds like Tremont Williams is the guy the Packers really like in the slot. But after those three guys, things get pretty interesting at cornerback. And Josh Jackson and Tony Brown both, both showed a ton of promise last year. I mentioned Josh Jackson last week, and I talked about how he needs to be a little bit less grabby in coverage. That's kind of one of his Achilles heels. And uh, Tony Brown definitely outplayed his undrafted free agent status last year and is at a minimum a very valuable special teams guy. And so while the Packers probably like the group that they have with Jair and Jermon and King, Tony Brown and Jackson both look to at least have the skill to be starting defensive backs in the NFL. And so if they take that jump this year, they would turn this cornerback room into just an embarrassment of riches if they're all playing at that level, which is something that Green Bay hasn't had in years. And so I'll be watching those two guys in particular uh, to see how they've grown this year, you know, from one to year two uh, to see if they can make that kind of a jump. Did, did you see Aaron Rodgers' comments on Tony Brown? 
I don't I don't think I did. Okay. They they were sort of making the rounds on Twitter yesterday, but essentially Aaron Rodgers um referred to Tony Brown as the most vocal of the defenders on the team, uh, basically insinuating he's a little chirpy. Okay. And he was like, it's nice to complete a pass on him to shut him up. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so yeah. so that's great. I mean, you know, you, you catch the attention of, of the guy on the team. And uh, I, I, I kind of like that attitude from Tony Brown. And we talked about that a little bit last week. I, I do have to say, I mean, this depth at cornerback is exciting. It's something that hasn't been around in a while. And you think about the importance of that. It, it's very rare for your your top two or three corners to stay healthy for the entire season. And you look back at, you know, the Super Bowl when they beat the Steelers and you're basically down to Sam Shields and some duct tape. But Jarrett Bush, <laughs> who is like one of my least favorite Packers of all time. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't know comes- this comes up with such a clutch interception and it's yeah. it's that depth right like Jared Bush was a, a really good special teams player um, oftentimes not great on defense but he was good enough that you could put him out there and he wouldn't totally ruin the game plan although I have different opinions but yeah he, you know in that in that case he makes the biggest play of the season um, and uh, you know it it's 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 the difference between winning the Super Bowl and not yeah, and really, we didn't talk about Kadar Holman at all because we're talking about second-year guys. And so when you're talking about depth, uh, Holman is someone that has has gotten a lot of buzz in camp. And so that would be interesting and just crazy if then you're talking about six cornerbacks who might be ready to contribute. And so this really could be quite a, quite a group for the Packers to have this year. Yeah, plus you have the flexibility of Tremont moving both ways, right? He, he can play corner, he can play a little bit of safety. And Darnell Savage we assume can drop down and play some slot corner as well. So a lot of depth there, a lot of options and coverage. I'm sure Mike Pettin is very happy about that. Um, you know, H-A-P-P-Y, happy. Do you get that reference? No, I'm sorry. Okay. Again, probably <laughs> missed out on some Twitter yesterday. Uh, Mike Pettin wins the Packers spelling bee. Over oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good reference, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, and and Holman, I mean, you know, talk about a guy that's ready to to start and press coverage right away, and has just crazy athletic skills. Uh, plus, is an awesome story, and we will talk about that sometime. So how uh, mad how mad do you think Aaron Rodgers is that he didn't get a shot to to um, come back and beat Mike Pettin? Like, is this just he, like eating at him? He seems like the kind of guy who would get upset if you beat him in Scrabble or like <laughs> right <laughs> like right. anything. So I'm sure he. He uh, wasn't very pleased about that, but yeah, sure. He probably like punched a hole in the wall somewhere. I would <laughs> imagine. <laughs> if only there was uh, a clip of him looking through a hole in the wall uh, in, in the Packers if, facility. If only. <laughs> but anyways, back to second year players. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Alex Light, the offensive lineman, and Andy Herman has been on the Light bandwagon a lot longer than I have. And honestly, I I knew he was a guy with good movement skills, and he really badly needed to add strength. But many of these developmental guys don't have a path on the roster after coming off the practice squad, and I actually think Light does. Here's here's the breakdown of the Packers O-line situation, in my opinion. At tackle, of course, you have Bakhtiari and Balaga. Straightforward. At guard, you have Billy Turner, Lane Taylor, Elton Jenkins, kind of fighting over two spots, you would think. And then Corey Lindsley is your starting center. If you go to the backups, you have either Lane Taylor or uh, Elton Jenkins, whoever doesn't win out. They're your backup center slash guard. Uh, Taylor's not going to play center, but you're talking about some moving pieces there. 
as your backup center. Cole Madison, Lucas Patrick, Justin McCray, they're probably fighting it out for one guard spot, you would think. And then at tackle, I mean, maybe it's Jason Spriggs. You know, people have opinions on Jason Spriggs one way or the other, and and we don't (laughs) know what he's going to look like this year. Um, Then you have uh, Yash Nijman. He's probably too raw to keep on the active roster. So if you're going to keep a true backup tackle, it comes down to Spriggs, Gerard DeBeer, Adam Pankey, and Alex Light. And right now, I'd almost be willing to go as far as say Light has the most potential of that group. And he may actually outplay Jason Spriggs. I don't know, but um, you know, those are the two guys that I see as a parent for that backup tackle spot. Um but then again, maybe Nijman just shocks everybody and makes the 53. <laughs> he has he has tools like nobody else. Like if he's if he's a baseball prospect, he's a five tool player. The problem is I don't know if he can play. Um, but <laughs> but Alex Light is an exciting guy. I mean, if if he can show that he has added that functional strength, he gives you versatility. Um, and and I'm maybe a little bit more rosy on his outlook, thinking that he can be a true tackle. Yeah, and you talking about that, I mean, I feel really good about the depth of most of this roster, but I would say the tackle is a place where you're just not sure past the starters exactly what the plan is or exactly like how that plan is going to go if it's Jason Spriggs. And I've been a guy who's wanted to believe in Jason Spriggs at times, and so uh, I would love to see him take that step, but definitely could be a path to the roster for Alex Light in a way that he could contribute for sure. So excited to see if Alex Light can take that step forward. My other guy that I wanted to highlight is Raven Green. And I think that that may not be completely shocking to a lot of people. He's kind of a fan favorite kind of guy. Uh, But what I love about Green and why I'm excited about his growth this year is what he could bring to this team. It's kind of a unique situation because the Packers didn't hesitate to address the safety position in the offseason at all. They paid up for Adrian Amos and they traded up for Darnell Savage in the first round. And it seems like those guys are your entrenched starters at safety. That's what the Packers seem to want. But we also know that Petten likes to keep three safeties on the field at times. And so if Raven Green is as good as some have said that he can be, what a luxury that would be for this team. Andy Herman hosted Tim Boyle on the podcast, and Andy asked Boyle to weigh in on his players that might be just kind of, that people might be sleeping on a little bit, and Raven Green was his answer to that question. And so it's easy for me to buy that hype and think about a defensive backfield that has Savage and Amos and Green and the different kind of looks that Petten could use with those guys. And I love that the Packers didn't bank on Green's upside. And I know that that's kind of a weird way to say it, but I'm glad that they went out and they spent the money to get Amos. They spent the draft capital to get Savage so that if Green pans out, he is a total luxury and one that could be a huge addition to this team. And so I'm really excited to watch his development throughout the preseason and just to see what he could be in year two. Yeah, so um, we're going to go ahead and get to our hot takes. And uh, we're going to start with our listener hot takes because... You all sent in some really good ones. So uh, Kyle and I are going to go read the take, and then we will respond with what our thoughts are. And the first one um, is from at Wisconsin Bryce. That's Bryce Christensen. Um, And he said, well, I'm with at Andrew Murdig that at Equinemius uh, will be a top 30 wide receiver this year. So in agreement, you know, of course, because that's a great opinion for me. So fantastic. (laughs) Um, But he, he goes on to say, and at real Danny Vitale makes the Pro Bowl. So that that is a There you go. Yeah. Um, so, Brace, I'm glad to see somebody else is as in love with ESB as myself. And 
Um, I just, I see so much potential with him. And since none of my friends support me by listening to this show, I'm going <laughs> to tell you all a little secret. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and get Equinemius in the eighth round of my fantasy draft, and I'm going to use him as the flex who's going to destroy the league. Nice. Good plan. Yeah, I, I figured, I, you know, there's no I'm gonna, risk of anything. I'm going to tell all your friends to listen to the pod to ruin your fantasy league. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, ho- I, would, I would hope they would listen because we produce such great content. But, that is a good you know, reason as well. To, yeah. <laughs> to each their own. Um, but the Danny Vitale hot take is really interesting. Um, P.S. Danny Vitale actually liked this tweet. Yeah, so he did. Good work there, Bryce. Uh, if uh, fullback was a pro bowl position that was selected based on blocking... I think Danny would actually have a chance and um, they've always selected a player based on like rushing or receiving stats because the pro bowl is hot garbage and it's not real football. So, you know, they've always leaned to the Mike all stats of the world. Um, and that's fine, but you know, that that's the way it goes. Um, there's like a 95% chance that Kyle Juszczyk is the Pro Bowl fullback. I, I'd be pretty comfortable with that. Um, maybe if Juszczyk backs out of the Pro Bowl, an actual blocker could make the roster. But the sentiment that Vitaly could be an impact player on this team is a really good one. He's not someone I I was sure would even make the roster this year. But all the news coming out of camp has me excited. And quite frankly... They just don't have a tight end that they can rely on as an H-back. So I think Danny's role on this team seems pretty safe. And I'm weirdly excited about seeing a power running game in Green Bay. Uh, Side note, the the NFL is always cyclical. So as we're seeing these 230-pound linebackers, you you just talked about Raven Green, right? Yeah. Raven Green and Josh Jones as potential linebackers and Oren Burks and... I'm surprised more teams don't just go to really heavy sets, like six offensive linemen with a tight end, and just try to grind their opponents into the dirt. There's there's no inclination to me or no history that LaFleur likes those six offensive linemen sets, but it would be really fun to see a reincarnation of that U7-1 package. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe just uh, run the ball right through some teams. But um, at any rate, thanks for the hot take, Bryce. Yeah, really good hot take and really cool that Danny Vitale actually liked the tweet. Danny, if you're listening, you'd like to come on the show. We'd love to have you. Uh, we'd have a great, great conversation. So uh, find us on Twitter and uh, you could be our next guest on the Packaday podcast. But our uh, next hot take here comes from Eric Rose at Eric Rose Four. His hot take is Crosby loses the camp battle to Ficken due to the injury, then gets cut, signs with Chicago, and is kicking against the Green Bay Packers on opening night. All right. Um, this is this is a take that is both hot, obviously, and really painful for me. As, as a fan, I love Crosby, but I also don't think the Packers uh, should be closed off to the possibility of improving at the kicker position if it's possible. I just don't think that Ficken is the guy who's legitimately going to be a threat to Crosby. I don't know if you'd say that Crosby is one of the best kickers in the league, I don't know if you could go that far, but I do think he's really reliable. And the Packers, you know, had that taste of the Lions game from last year fresh in their mind. So that one is tough to shake. But I think moving on from Crosby might be one of the Packers' 
it could be a move that the Packers would come to regret pretty quickly. And the idea of Crosby kicking in Chicago kind of makes me sick. I think he's easily an upgrade over anything that they have, and he's probably an easy upgrade for probably at least a third of the league. So again, I'm really hesitant to move on uh, from a kicker with that kind of a track record. So those are my thoughts, right? Uh, But this is a hot take. So Eric, I would sell your hot take only because I think if the Packers move on from Crosby, it will not be for someone like Ficken. And because I think Green Bay realizes how hard it really is to find reliable kicking in this league. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Chicago is a great story. It, it's a great lesson for other teams to value the guy that you have, you know, AKA Robbie Gould. Don't cut him <laughs> to save a few million dollars and then yeah. end up with a double <laughs> doink. But who is who is the kicker that was um, initially signed on the roster? Was it a kicker at LSU or? Yeah, he was really intriguing cut? to me. Yeah, I can't I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'll I'll regret this later, but um, he seems to have a lot of promise, and I just didn't understand that move at that time um, because Ficken is more of a you know NFL journeyman at this point, and I I just thought you know go with the guy with the huge leg. And just see if maybe he can develop some accuracy and, you know, give give Crosby uh, a challenge, at least. Um, I, I don't see Ficken as that guy to steal yeah. his job, but, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe Eric's right. Yeah, Cole Tracy was the guy that they pulled Cole in Trace, from. Yeah. yeah, so I really did think that maybe, oh, maybe, maybe they're considering, you know, like, what is the youth at the position of the kicker? And then that was not to be, obviously, so. Yeah, Um. So now it's time for our hot takes, Kyle. Um, yeah. And I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say the Packers are going to keep five running backs. All right. All five. Right. five. A whole five. Yeah. I'm predicting Aaron Jones, both the Williamses, nice. Corey Grant, and Danny Vitale. Okay. And in Lafleur's system, they're going to get the ball to the running back, and you have to have depth there. And that is going to have other roster implications. I actually think Green Bay only keeps two quarterbacks and three tight ends. And you may even see something like five wide receivers because, wow. you know, times they are a change in. That's really crazy. And I actually I like uh, Trey Carson quite a bit, too. I don't think that there's any room for him probably on the roster. But I think the Packers have a pretty good group of running backs to choose from. So it will be interesting to see who makes this team and how much the, the Packers really do prioritize this running back position in this new uh, coaching era. Um, I have a, I have a hot take for you here, and uh, this one I don't know. I, I'm I'm feeling this one pretty strongly. I think people may give me some pushback on it, but I think Jake Kumaro will make this roster over Jamon Moore. And it sounds like Jamon Moore has had a pretty solid camp thus far, and we'll see how the preseason goes for him. But I'm starting to think that he's far enough behind guys like EQ and MBS that he might not be able to lean on that fourth round pick status to make this team this year. And it sounds like the coaches really like what Trevor Davis brings to the offense. It also sounds like coach LaFleur values Jake Kumro's reliability, which Aaron Rodgers is obviously praised as well. And so I'm starting to wonder if Moore does enough 
to set himself apart, to be unique. I'm not sure if he has a trump card or a certain skill set that is going to make the coaches really pound the table to keep him at the end of the day. Again, I hope he has that great preseason. I hope he turns it around, but he's going to need that awesome preseason to set himself apart. And as I've said before, LaFleur, historically, he really has only kept six wide receivers. And it's just growing harder for me to see Jamon Moore taking on uh, one of those spots, one of those six. And I think Kumaro will have the heart of both Rodgers and LaFleur by the end of the preseason. That's my prediction. So I think Kumaro makes the roster, and I think Jamon Moore is left on the outside looking in. Gross. <laughs> Disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you something right now, Kyle. Okay. Jake Kumaro has quickly reached a level of hatred for me that is now only bypassed by Kyler Fackrell. What, what has he, he done? I am off the Jake Kumaro train. <laughs> Don't like it. Okay. I'll I'll take your hot take and I'm going to raise you one. I'm actually going to say that neither Kumaro or Jamon Moore makes the 53. And, and I think Moore may actually end up on the practice squad. I didn't do a super deep dive into this. I was trying to do some research if he still had eligibility left, but, and I, and I think he does, but in any case, I actually don't think Kumaro or Jamon Moore is going to be on that 53. I'm, I do think the Packers are going to keep six wide receivers. I said they might keep five, but I, you know, I think you have to keep six. And for me, they're Devontae, Geronimo, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemius St. Brown, Trevor Davis, and Tail Redding. No. Yeah. And people are going to be really upset about this. Um, this is especially weird for me because I have historically not been a fan of Trevor Davis at all. But by all accounts, he is tearing it up. And I, I really hope he continues that into the preseason because I think he brings a skill set that they just don't have. I'm looking at the versatility, right? I don't think that Kumaro or Jamal Moore brings anything to the, the wide receiver room that they don't already have with the guys in front of them. And so I'm looking for guys with some diverse skill sets, some guys that can run those jet sweeps that might have some uh, returnability. And uh, I, I really kind of like what I have been hearing about Trevor Davis and Teo Redding. All right. That's interesting. And we talked about Trevor Davis at the beginning of last year's training camp. And we talked about how he really does have a little bit of a different skill set that brings something completely different than any of the other wide receivers. So it'll be fun to see if this new coaching staff can actually get that out of him and, you know, that we could see it on the actual field. So a lot to watch there. there, And obviously a little bit of a difference between the two of us, Andrew. Uh, some tension on the podcast tonight. Um oh, Always. So my last one here is actually um, Kaiser. I'm going to talk about Deshaun Kaiser, and my hot take is really specific. All right, I'm going to go uh, go a little bit bold here. I think Deshaun Kaiser has a much better preseason this year than he did last year, which is not the hot take. I think that ESB is going to be a really big part of that success. And so my hot take is that there's going to be a really big Kaiser and ESB connection that we're going to see in the preseason. We've already seen the night uh, there it is the dynamic connection between the two uh, that comes really from their days at Notre Dame that they spent together. And we've seen a lot of Kaiser to EQ in camp already. And so I think that continues. I think uh, Equinemia St. Brown finishes the preseason with four touchdown catches. And I think that Kaiser will throw three of those four passes to him. And so I believe that both of these guys' stocks are going to be considerably higher um, after the preseason and uh, just the first couple weeks of that preseason as they get to show off their connection together. So we'll see if that happens, but that's my hot take. 
I love it. And I I, I want to give the, the uh, listeners a peek behind the curtain here. Um, we share notes with each other so we know, you know, in general, an outline of what we're going to talk about. And when I read your Kaiser to ESB connection as what you were going to talk about for your hot take, I thought it said Kaiser to USB connection. I was like, well, that's interesting. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how he's going to spin that, but I mean, like, whatever. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that nice. is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike, Tyler, and Chris. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. And we will be be back next week with a breakdown of the Packers' first preseason game against the Houston Texans. Football's back, baby. Enjoy family night tonight. Enjoy the updates on the... Uh, inter-squad scrimmage between the Texans and the Packers, and then, of course, the preseason game. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember, 